put something you love is really no pressure because that's what mm-hmm. you want to do. I'll put a hundred on that. Like, oh. I just, in the lounge. In the lounge. Welcome to another seminar, More Than the Price of a Mission. Today we got world champion, U.S. champion, civil medal, civil medalist, um, motivational speaker, and now uh, working on becoming an Olympic bobsledder. Am I right, Manio? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, we got Mr. Manio, Mr. Manio Mitchell in the building with us tonight, man. How you doing, Manio? Man, I'm blessed, man. I'm just, I'm just blessed, man. Honestly, just trying to, trying to stay above water, man. You know, every everything is crazy out here, so just trying to. Trying to stay positive. That's what's up, man. Glad uh, to have you, man. Yeah, definitely oh, yeah. glad to have you on. I was man. telling Scott, it's going to be uh, probably impractical to get you on the show, man, because I know you'll be moving from coast to coast. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really an honor to have you on here, man. I mean, you thought you thought of us to, to, to want to do this, so we really do appreciate it. Oh, for sure. You know, I got to get a support back where it comes from. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. All love. Yes. All love. I got definitely. to. That's always me. Um, so many, let's go back to, um, let's say high school, senior year in high school. Let's go back that far. You know, um, you know, when you were coming up, you went, to, you attended Crest High, um, you know, coming up, you know, the county meet and track was like a real big thing, you know, when you were coming up, you know, always packed out stadium. Um, you played football in high school as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. Um, uh, okay. So can you kind of describe like what it was like playing, um, your senior year running track, like when did the offers really start coming in as far as, uh, you know, being able to showcase your talent? Um, so, so I ran, I ran track and I'm gonna go back a little bit further. I ran track in middle school, like one year, just seventh grade year. And it was more so just like social, you know, you're coming from elementary school. Now you're going to sixth, seventh grade in middle school and you're trying to make friends and stuff like that. So I really went out for the track team just to, to make friends. And I didn't like it. I didn't, every other sport that I was playing at the time, football and basketball running was always punishment. So I'm like, why would I go do something that, you know, I'm used to being punished with for fun. Like I was, I was just not feeling that vibe. So, so we got to high school and I started playing football. I played AAU basketball, but I played football in high school for the school was really good there. Um, had an injury my senior year. Um, and the track coach just so happened to be the, my wide receiver coach. He was like, Hey, I need you to, I need you to come out here and, you know, you can probably get a scholarship if you want to, because back then it isn't like it is now. I had plenty of offers all over the country for football, but Mm -hmm. it's not like it is now where, okay, you get hurt. They can bring you in red shirt, you even take care of your surgery or, or whatever your procedures you need to get done. And you still get everything paid for. Back then it was like, okay, if he was our number one on the list, now let's go to our number two because he's useless. That's how right. it was back then. So right. um, and I and that's why I try to tell these kids now, like be be mindful of the situation that you're in because it can be it can be snatched up very, very easily if you don't really take care of yourself. So um I started running track my senior year, and actually that was the year where I took it very serious. And like you said, like the county meet was um kind of like where I had my homecoming like everybody was like okay this dude's legit um 
And and I think that's where the offers really started to come. Football was still offering, but it was more so like the smaller schools at the time. Now, the Alabama and Clemson and Florida State, all those schools were like, nah, we don't want him for football anymore because he's injured. So yeah. when I was running track, my arm was still broken from football. Um, oh, and a lot of people didn't know that just because I had the cast taken off. So um, track just – it just so happened to – the thing I hated the most is the thing I love the most now. It's just crazy, you know, how, you know, you can be placed in situations and and how they, they really mold you into being the person that you become either now or soon later after life. So, uh, yeah, definitely senior year was, uh, it was a year to remember, not only on the field, but on the track in the classroom. And uh, I definitely made some noise back then. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so what, what was it about Western Carolina? Cause you went to Western. What was it about Western Carolina that made you accept that offer? So the thing that sold me on Western Carolina. So obviously being from Cleveland County, we didn't have any rubber tracks. Um, it, was all, it was all, you guys know that. So it was all cement. And, and I try to tell people this all the time. They don't believe me. They think I'm joking. Like we used to have sparks coming off of our spikes. Why we wore spikes on asphalt. I still don't know to this day. <laughs> But they made us wear them, so we had to wear them. And I still remember that going to the regional track meet was at Western Carolina University. Um, I had never heard of the university at all, didn't even know it existed. And our regional meet just so happened to be on the campus of Western Carolina. And it was the first time I had touched a rubber track, a synthetic track, and we ran really fast. And the athletes from the team at the time at Western Carolina were the volunteers for the track meet. Mm -hmm. So I chopped it up with a couple of them and then the head coach, Danny Williamson, who's my coach to this day. Um, he came up to me and he was like, hey, I could use someone like you on the team. I'd love to show you around. And then that following, I think maybe two weeks later, I came back up and went on an official visit. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I got offered a scholarship. Actually, I was offered a scholarship at that meet, literally at that meet. So oh, I went up there and we set state records in the relays. And then uh, I, I won the 200 and I can't, I don't think I ran the 400 that year uh, at that meet. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't run the 400, but we won everything that we, that we signed up for and say, set state records at that time. They probably broke it now, but oh. um, it was just a cool experience. And he, you know, he sold me a story that maybe at the time I didn't fully believe and understand, but it worked out. He was like, I'm going to make you, I really feel like you can help our team. And in doing so, you'll be one of the best athletes to ever, you know, be in this sport. And then boom. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, you at Western now. What is it like going from high school to the collegiate level for us to train it and track? Yeah. So for me personally, um, we didn't take track serious in high school. Right. Um, now, that's not to boast or brag, but. I went to school with a lot of people that were very, very talented. Um, like very, <laughs> very, very talented. But we know. And yeah, and, and, and got, you guys know, of course, but we could literally, and, and not that we would do this, but we could leave the stands and just go out and do what we needed to do without warming up and we would still win very easily. Yeah. Now, when I started getting looks at, from colleges, that's when I started like, okay, I need to warm up a little bit more to make sure I don't get injured and all that stuff. So the, the transition from high school to college was, okay, now it's not just you and maybe one or two other people that are as good as you or a little bit better or, or maybe a little bit under you. Now everybody's on that same talent wave. So now what are you gonna do to like make yourself elevate above that? 
and be the leader on this team. So I think the biggest transition was, cause I was only two hours from home. The biggest yeah. transition was knowing when I had social time and when I had study time and when it was time to go to work um, as far as like on the track. So of course, back then social media wasn't anywhere as big as it is now. So didn't really <laughs> have a lot of distractions on social yeah. media. I had Facebook, that was it. And it wasn't even yeah. live back then. It was just, you posting, oh, I just ate some cereal and nobody cared. <laughs> uh, but now you post that and oh, what kind of cereal are you eating? Like people right. want to know. So it, it was just more so trying to balance all those things at one time. Um, but I had a very good structure around me, um, a very good system around me that kind of propelled me to be in the position that I'm in now. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Can you kind of describe the, uh, the atmosphere at um, Western Carolina from when you, when, you, when you were there and how it is now? Yeah, so when I was there, I think Western only had, I want to say they didn't even have 6,000 students at the time. Obviously, you know, that's a that's a small number for a division one double A school. Um, now, now for us in track and field, we we competed at the D1 level like completely. So we ran against the Florida's, the Clemson's, the LSU's, the Oregon's. We ran against everybody. It wasn't like the, the subdivision for football, which they played in a smaller, a smaller division. We played it, we competed against everyone. So in that regard, our school was very, very tiny. Now I think they have close to 15, 16,000. Um, which is pretty comparable with the other schools across the country um, at that level. So when I was there, it wasn't a lot to do. There was no barbershop. That was my biggest thing because <laughs> there was no barbershop. So that's how I learned how to cut hair. Um, there was not any like clubs or anything like that. Not that I was like a party goer, but we, we used to host parties all the time just because there was nothing else to do. Like we get back from a track meet. We send one text out, one, one text out, and then everybody <laughs> shows up an hour later, floor flexing at the apartment, everything. But so we, we made our own fun, but it was all clean fun. We tried to stay out of trouble. Obviously, you know, being in the limelight at a, at a university that was very, very small, so everybody knew you, you couldn't really do a whole lot of stuff, um, whether it was good or bad. So we kind of just, right. you know, made our own fun. Uh, my apartment was uh, all guys that I competed with that were my teammates. Um, and so we, we, we definitely had a good time. But, yeah, the atmosphere has completely changed is what I've been told. I've only yeah. been up there a handful, a handful of times, you know, since I graduated. And then I was there until 2016 and then uh, moved to Asheville. So um, I, I actually witnessed it change from being a freshman in 2005 to graduating in 2009. It was different. And to going into grad school, graduating in 2012, it was different to now, like totally different. So, but it's just, it's just, you know, everything changes with the times and, and different cultures and different, hell, different generations, honestly, right. that are, that are there now. So, yeah. All right. Um, so after having like a stellar, well, you did have a stellar career at Western, what was it uh, that made you pursue running track professionally? Um. Again, just my coach, Danny Williamson, uh, who was the coach at Western Carolina until he uh, retired a few years back and who's still my coach as a professional athlete now. So, um, again, just that story he sold to me um, and just having that belief in me and saying, hey, if you really want to make the Olympic team, if you really want to go pro, this is what you're going to need to do. We wrote it out and then we just went after it. So um, it definitely wasn't easy. It's not something that comes overnight. It's not something that you just go pay for or sign up for and you get a subscription like it's nothing yeah. like that it, it takes a lot of hard work dedication just as anything else does but 
you know, less than, I want to say less than 2% or 1% of people that compete at the collegiate level even make it to the pro ranks in our sport, which, um, our, and our sport is the most participated sport in the world, track and field is. So, um, and, then, and it's the same thing with, with high school. I think it's less than 5% chance that you'll make it out of high school, go to college, and then even less than that to go pro. So to be able to do that from a small town where technically I wasn't even supposed to make it out of my doorstep by the age of 17 and, and you know, had all these cards stacked against me, blah, blah, blah. And just to be able to, to do that and continue to, to put on for the city, man, that's all I really care about. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't, it ain't really a win for me. It's a win for everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's at the end of the day, I'm at the bottom of that. I'm just building it up. So yeah. Yeah. The foundation, the most definitely are. Um, Johnny, you got any questions from any of Yeah, uh, like I said, glad to have you on the man tonight. Um, inspiration at a young age. Who was your biggest inspiration and uh, motivated you um, to, to, to be who you are today, to be Manny O'Mentor, the respectful young man from little old Shelby, North Carolina? Who done that for you? Um, at a young age? Probably, um, man, it's been, there's been so many like influential people in my life, but at that age, I'll probably say my grandfather, my grandfather. Um, and he's probably one of my biggest fans and biggest supporters. And he probably doesn't even realize that I know that, but I know that. <laughs> um, and it, and it wasn't even something positive that, that made me, determined that he was the most influential person to me at that age it was uh -huh. something that was negative so I was I had a really bad attitude um books and all that stuff was good but I had I had a very bad attitude growing up and you can say it was my situation you can say it was my atmosphere I don't even know how to how to even term it but um there was a situation and there was a night a lot of people don't know about this there was a night where I had, I had said something and it, it like set him off and he like literally chased after me and had my uncle chase me and everything. And I think that's where the running came from too. Cause I was hauling it. I was, <laughs> I was hauling it, but I called myself wanting to run away and, and, and not be here and all this stuff. And I remember, I remember saying, I'll never work. I, I think I was just, I was acting out, but I said, I'll never work a nine to five job like y'all doing. Cause everybody worked at Cone Mills and, and I hated it. I just hated it. Uh, and, and I, and I, this is a true story. I remember saying that, and I remember his reply was, never forget where you came from, because you might end up back there, and then you'll feel bad for all the things you said. And I was right. like, I'll never forget where I came from. However, I am not going to work that job, because everybody in my family, I saw everybody in my family do that, and that's not the route that I wanted to go. And I knew already at that age, I think I was in like middle school or high school, I knew at that age that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to not do that. And so... We just didn't we didn't see eye to eye on that, but that was that was a turning point in my life that really made me, you know, grind and and really go after everything that I do, even to this point now. So yeah, that's my that's my that's my influential person right there for sure. That's dope, man. That's an interesting story. Um, now we're gonna move on to a little personal story. A little personal. Um, traveling across the world, meeting people experiencing new things um on, on on a personal level how did that impact your personality and who you were did that change you or is just something that you embraced 
uh, is something that you was ready for? Did it just slap you in the face out of nowhere? You know, like how did you how did you handle that? Um, the first time that I went out of the country, I was in Belgium, and I was pretty much like by myself. I didn't know anybody, um, and it was a it was a different experience for me. But it was also one where I was able to grow on my own and not have somebody spoon feed me everything and have everything handed to me. Because unlike most people that are professional in this sport, I had to build it on my own. I didn't sign a deal. I was post-collegiate athlete who didn't have a deal yet. I didn't have a shoe deal yet right out of college. I graduated in 2009 and I didn't turn pro until 2012. So I grinded those three years or those two and a half years before I turned pro. So uh, back back again to my grandfather. My grandfather was the one who literally dug in his savings account and got me a ticket to go overseas. Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I had no choice but to get over there and just grind to pay that back. And not just in money, but just in like exposure and, and to make people proud because I can go to my grandfather's house right now and it's a picture of me and Michelle Obama on a refrigerator wow. like who can who can who can write that you know what i'm saying you can't you can't write that like that and i know that they're proud about that because first of all i'm 33 years old and you still got me on your fridge you got to be proud of something yeah right <laughs> yeah i'm not a kid you know what i'm saying but it's just stuff like that so i don't think it it didn't change me negatively i right. think it, it more than anything it made me realize that there's so much more than shelby north carolina but that doesn't mean you forget where you came from you just respect exactly. where you're at where you came from and you go build that and let those people know what Shelby North Carolina can produce. So that's kind of how I kind of went about it. But yeah, I love, I love, like I can honestly live outside of the U S like I love, I love like Europe and stuff like that, but I, I do miss my family when I'm gone a lot. So right. especially now being a father of an eight year old, that gets tough. So yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, speaking of your eight year old, how is it to be uh, a, a dad? and you know um and have to travel and you know manage that life you know like does it ever become hard or you know do you have do you have a plan set in place to make it comfortable for you um it it never gets easy honestly um now when i turned pro he wasn't even born yet he was born a few months after so when he was smaller it was a little bit easier um it might have been a little bit rougher on his mom going back and forth her being in college and then him being just a newborn baby and both of our families trying to, you know, hassle with that. But now that he's older, like he usually travels with me. Now he hasn't been out of the country yet, but hopefully Tokyo, he can go with, we we just don't know what all this COVID stuff now. We had it written out perfectly planned out, but we just don't know now. So it's very, very tough now because though he's in virtual school and technically can be anywhere in the world he wants to be with me, it's like, it's, it's just risky for him being so young and being able to contract that virus a whole lot easier than I can because I don't even get sick. I've never even had the flu. So there's more than likely no chance that I would get this virus. Even if I had it, I wouldn't even know. Right. So, right. Um, so it's just, it's just, you know, risk and reward. Like you, you just, you know that, you know, people are going to miss you and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's part of the job. So and it, yeah. it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a long term thing. So, within the next three years, probably hanging them up anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got two more questions for you, man. Um, yeah, yeah. 
One being, um, if you can give advice to a young man or a young lady uh, who's not doing so well in life, uh, who has those same uh, aspirations to, you know, want to be a runner, um, but they just can't let go uh, that vice or something that, that, that may be holding them back. What advice would you give them? Coming from um, Shelby. Yeah, yeah. Just that it's going to get better. Um, if you really believe that you can say it all day, but if you really believe it and if there's something that you want to achieve, you got to write it out. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer and advocate and seeing it to believe it. So first you think it, then you write it out and then you visualize that every single day. So you wake up and that's the first thing you see, you go to sleep. That's the last thing you see. And eventually it becomes embedded in your mind at the fact that, Hey, that's what I want to achieve. So I'm going to do everything in my power and my will that I can to put myself in a position to achieve what I wrote down and what I see every day and what I go to sleep to every night. That's what I would say. And that's what I still do. Like, I think a lot of people, especially, you know, students and kids, they try to set these lofty goals because they see stuff, but they don't see the grind that it takes to get to right. what they're seeing. Right. Um, like you can look at Will Smith and see he has almost, 20, 30, 40 million followers, but you don't see the grind of how he had to support himself to get to that. Or you can see the meal when you get to a restaurant, it just comes to you at the table. But if you go back there in the kitchen, it didn't start like that. Right. right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta cook it up. You gotta whip it up. And that's, that's how life is. You gotta play your cards like that. Now, some people have better, if we play Uno, some people gonna have to draw fours and they gonna, you gonna have to pluck a little bit. Some people have a good deck of cards already dealt to them or a good hand of cards already dealt to them. But some people like myself included, I didn't have the best cards, but what I did was I kept playing the game. Right. And then eventually I got a new hand and now I'm the dealer. So that's how you gotta, you gotta look at it like that. Like you can play the game all you want, but become the dealer and you set the game, you set the rules for your game. I like that. Awesome. 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 Okay, so my last question, man. This is pretty. This is a has nothing to do with track. Uh, we ask five questions to all our guests, all our, okay. all our guests that come on to the show, and it's and it goes a little something like this. We're gonna ask you a question about maybe what food you like. All right, so we're gonna start off like that. All right. All so right. my first question is: Mario Mitchell's favorite car. Wow, favorite car. Uh... I want the G. I want the G wagon, man. The G wagon, okay. <laughs> yeah, I want a, I want a, a space gray matted a matte space gray G wagon, red interior. I want that. Hey, specific, Chris. You hear that? Yeah. Man, yeah. they know what you want. Yeah. All right. Oh, question yeah. number two. Manny Mitchell's favorite food. Oh, sushi for sure. Hibachi. Mm. Sushi. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, hibachi. I think that's Chris's favorite too. <laughs> all right question number you. three manio's favorite place to visit home home mm. ain't, ain't no place like it oh yeah home no i go i go all over the world but when i come home i'm, I'm there so yeah home. that's what's up uh question number four manio mitchell's favorite childhood cartoon oh that's tough <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's Daddy. tough. Um, <laughs> I got him, Chris. <laughs> oh, no. God, it's so many of them, though. Hold up. <laughs> let, let me at least narrow it down to three real quick. Hold on. All right, all right, go ahead. 
man, that's my childhood. Uh, probably, uh, what's the name of that show? Uh, either, either Doug or Recess or. Oh, yeah. That, that's my era right there. All yeah, them right. Yeah. Hey, hey, Doug was it for me though. Yeah. Actually, hey Doug Arnold, was one of my favorite. Yeah. Hey Arnold. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But but I think I think Doug Doug was my joint because it came on right after school. So that yeah. <laughs> it did. You knew it was still hey, hey Arthur, somewhere. Hey yeah. Arthur was up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a it's a vibe. All of that stuff is at the same time. Definitely, man. Kids these days will never know. They will yeah, never they understand. understand. Not at all. They'll never understand. All right. Last and last question. Manny Mitchell's all-time favorite movie. Oh, well, you tripping. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you tripping. Look, I travel all the time, and that's my thing is watching movies. You know what I'm saying? So, because that passes the time. If I'm on a 15-hour flight, I'm watching, like, three movies and then knocking out, and then I might wake up and watch another one. So, I watch tons of movies, but my favorite, I don't, I don't really have favorite movies. I just have favorite types of movies. Yeah. Okay. So, so stuff like um, anything with Denzel, because most of his stuff is like the same. Same like, here. Yeah. Um, Liam Neeson, like Taken, all that kind of stuff, like bank robberies and all that kind of stuff. I love that stuff. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a Marvel freak. Like I love Marvel movies. So um and that that whole that whole genre so most of that stuff like i've probably watched like 20 30 times a piece so probably wow, that <laughs> wow that's impressive man well, well like i said man we are glad we have you tonight man um you you, you sent a positive message to all the young folk out here man I, I really want to do this because i wanted them to know that you know life is bigger than shelby you know what i'm saying and it's people like you are a prime example of that. So uh, we appreciate you. I'm going to send it back to Scott. Thank you, man. Oh, yeah. Likewise, yeah. man. Appreciate you. Yeah, like Johnny said, man, yo, man, we definitely appreciate you coming on, man. Good luck to your uh, future endeavors, man. You know, you're always welcome back to the Lounge 167, brother. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I'll be back. That's a thing. <laughs> for sure. Have a good night, man. Oh, yeah.